So as we look forward, I think you're going to see more people you know, leveraging these collaboration tools, more people being able to share data, work remotely, but allow them to keep communicating and keep acting as a team. And that's the key to all this. It's not just about can I run my technologies, it's about how can I keep my teams together. Welcome back to another episode of Next Generation Design. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper. This year has been a challenge for companies as they've had to adapt to a new style of working remotely. For software, it's meant that the collaboration and communication needs to coincide seamlessly with functionality while innovation continues its pace of enhancement. How are these changes being implemented and how are they shaping the future of software? For our final episode of our first season, we're glad to welcome the leader of the product engineering marketing team, Paul Brown. He'll shed some light on the most recent software innovations, why they came about, and what we can expect to see from software in the future. Paul, can you tell us about yourself and your role? My name is Paul Brown. I lead the product engineering marketing team inside of Siemens Digital Industry Software. We're responsible for the NX product line, our product lines, including FiberSim, SynchroFit, and MasterTrim. We're really looking at how we can help our customers use the technologies that we provide better to innovate in their business. How long have you been working in design? I trained as a designer, and I've been involved with design and design products for around 30-odd years, 38-odd years of working for vendors in this space, in the, in the computer-aided design and manufacturing and engineering space. What are you seeing in terms of growth in electronics and the need for software integration? I think what we're seeing, and I think hopefully everyone is recognizing, is that electronics and software is everywhere. Uh, very few products that you see around now are purely mechanical, physical type designs. Even if you take it, just think about, obviously things like furniture may be different, but even then, when you look at things like desks, how many people are now bringing in stand-up desks and you know electronic controls to those desks and smart controls? So electronics is beginning to play such a major part in everyone's lives and of course that brings software and that brings new challenges to design particularly mechanical design because you get new packaging challenges you get new challenges about how you do things like thermal flow how you make sure that the electronics doesn't overheat how you make sure it all works together and works together seamlessly so that is becoming more and more of a, a level of integration that integration across disciplines we're seeing a lot of customers working on that rather than trying to have a mechanical group that's working and they do their work and then they throw it over the wall to the electronics group Everyone's recognizing that to innovate quickly, you have to tie these things together. How are companies taking advantage of generative design tools? Generative design is something that's being leveraged more and more by companies looking forward of how they can get more from their systems, more from the compute power on their desk, more from software that allows them to take advantage of that and have the system go off and 
make design recommendations, make recommendations around criteria. So you're looking at generative as solving a problem based around certain targets you want to meet and certain inputs and letting the computer do a lot of its work and making suggestions. But you can't take the human out of the loop. This is not a, you know, the computers are taking over the world type scenario. This is using generative tools, using approaches which can do millions of calculations and come back with suggestions for the best design, which then designers can use their expertise to kind of evolve and carry on with. Do you have a real-world example of how generative design is bringing value to an organization? Team Ineos. Team Ineos used generative approaches to lightweight a key part of their America's Cup challenge. The key part is the area where the mast attaches to the hull, and they reduce the weight in by half. Now, if you think about what the America's Cup is all about, the America's Cup is a race. Reducing weight is key. So the lighter the boat, the more performance you can get. And just being able to use generative approaches to come up with ideas of how you can solve all of the structural, physical type challenges and leverage new materials and get designs that an engineer couldn't just think of on their own. Now, the other enabler that allows you to make even more of generative design is additive manufacturing. So then you tie, bring additive manufacturing in the mix, being able to create shapes that you can't do or would be very difficult to do using traditional manufacturing methods. Subtractive types of approaches where you're machining stuff away have limitations of what a machine tool can actually do. And so using leveraging additive manufacturing. So tying those together is critical. As 2020 comes to a close, we've had to find new and innovative ways to adapt our technology through a pandemic. What new opportunities has this unique situation brought to the table? We've had to adapt and change our approaches. Our customers have had to adapt. The concept of remote working, where many of our customers were used to build, having supply chains and working you know, with collaborative approaches, I think in many cases, they weren't as used to having their individuals, their employees working from home. And of course, that happened in pretty much every country. And so what we're seeing now, what we saw right at the beginning of all of this kind of situation was how quickly people could adapt and use tools like NX from home. We have a number of approaches inside of NX which allow you to take licenses away from the central servers to be able to carry on working remotely off-site or either with a connection back to head office or kind of remotely and then syncing up afterwards. Did you see any changes in the frequency of software usage? Actually, in the first couple of months of lockdown, we noticed in terms of business our business intelligence data an increase in the number of NX sessions that were being run by our customers. So so whether that meant because people were working from home, there were less meetings and they were spending more time doing design work, I don't know, but I mean, it's an interesting phenomenon. What do you think that increased use tells us about the way people are using this technology? 
So being able to tie that in and make it easier to get access to data, be able to use technologies like NX locally or on the cloud or use, you know, streamed on the cloud. All of those things are what things are kind of going forward. So as we look forward, I think you're going to see more people you know, leveraging these collaboration tools, more people being able to, to share data, work remotely, and allow them to keep communicating and keep acting as a team. And that's the key to all that. It's not just about, can I run my technologies? It's about how can I keep my teams together? How has your team had to adapt given the events of this year? As we come through a software release, we do two, two a year and two major releases and then the monthly releases as part of our continuous release process. Obviously, we go through a testing period. Now, traditionally, that was always done using a mixture of people working in their own locations, but also a group of customers coming together into a location or multiple locations around the world for an event. Well, you can't do that nowadays. So we've been, we've had to adapt. We've changed our ways of how we do things like beta testing. We've been running virtual beta testing uh, events where we actually bring people together with regular conferencing. But once again, it's this communication and this constant communication. How has that affected the stream of business? It's opened up things like beta testing to more individuals we've actually had more people signed up for this latest round of beta than we've ever had in the past and it's a lot of it is because they have the flexibility to be able to access the software and use the software and give us feedback without having to travel and spend time out of their office away from sites so it's been a been a very interesting both opportunity but a challenge as well through the year What do you see for the future of the design industry? The adoption of things like additive manufacturing and generative engineering is still very much at its early phase. And I think that people are, are learning new approaches of what they can do. Things like additive machinery, additive manufacturing and the machines, the capabilities are becoming stronger all the time. New capabilities, new materials, new approaches to do things like multi-material type designs when you're printing. And that's giving flexibility. So there's that kind of how do we help customers and companies build parts and make the most of their investment in hardware type technologies to manufacture that? What other types of technologies are you seeing that are of interest to customers? We see technologies like you know, autonomous vehicles. We see autonomy and you know, artificial intelligence coming in more and more. So being able to help our customers kind of adopt those types of things and adapt those technologies. You know, obviously, a vehicle, if you go to automotive, an autonomous vehicle will look very different and will potentially look very different to what we are used to now as a, as, a, as a car of today. And so how's that going to change? That's going to change the requirements on design. That's going to change the way people look at designing these products. But also, there's a whole packaging challenge about how you do that. The more people move into, you know, away from fossil fuels in these industries, it's changing the way, whether it's in aerospace, whether it's in automotive, whether it's in marine. 
you know, we have a great customer called Buy Aerospace. One of the subjects of one of our podcasts, they're developing electronic aircraft, electric powered aircraft. And that technologies are, are pretty amazing and being able to support those and how they, the, cha- the new challenges they bring around packaging and designing to accommodate new sources of power. Do you have any additional predictions for the future? You're going to see things that you saw traditionally in things like architecture and, and nature impacting the way people look at mechanical design. And to give you a sense of that, if you go back to our car example, look at the front of any vehicle and the grill that's in front of the radiator. Traditionally, that's been a very kind of repeated common pattern. Look at some of the more modern vehicles. Look at some of the ways that some of the the new designs are coming out, which incorporate a lot of style and actually brand characteristics in those. Those designs are actually in many ways, are taking a lot of inspiration from things like nature and architecture. So giving users tools that allow you to create those types of things quickly and efficiently is another key element I think that we're going to see more and more of. You're going to see a lot more use of artificial intelligence and machine learning. I think that that's another area where we scratched the surface. We introduced our adaptive user interface two years ago now, and which was our first use case of artificial intelligence we're adding more in the release that's coming out in december but we're not finished there are so many areas that artificial intelligence can help a designer and help engineer what new capabilities and enhancements can we expect to see coming in the space of model-based definition and the model-based enterprise as people are looking to digitalize more of the designs, in fact, you know, it's one of those topics around the the current situation is it's driven more people to to look at digitalization as a key strategic initiative for their business. Well, that whole idea of having this comprehensive digital twin, that design, that model, that whole digital environment needs to be rich and it needs to be information rich. And there's a lot of information that traditionally was put on a drawing. So when you look at it, there's a lot of information like tolerance and surface finish and paint and coatings that was all added to drawings. It was all added as notes and text on pieces of paper which people had to interpret. Now we're looking at how not only can we add it, but we can consume it from using the 3D model. And you'll see a lot of work going on in model-based definition to enrich that comprehensive digital twin with all of this data that supports the manufacturing process and, and really gives you a true definition of what the product is about and what it does. So what challenges are you seeing in the adoption of this technology? one of the barriers to adoption of these techniques is how long does it take me to do this and how much of creating this information is actually based upon rules and knowledge. Well, one of the things we've learned over the years is how we can leverage rule-based approaches. And as part of the Siemens organization and as we've gone through and we have tools like Mendix for low code and looking how those types of codeless or code light developments to allow people to customize and capture rules and then reuse those rules 
And being able to do that to allow you to generate 3D annotation and PMI model-based definition type approaches is going to speed that process. So I, I think what we're going to see is an acceleration of people moving up into from just 3D annotation and product manufacturing information on a model to true model-based definition. And then eventually when they start consuming the data in more departments, really classing themselves as model-based enterprises. We introduced the new sketch capabilities last June. What are we seeing as the main benefits of that new release? A fundamental part of the design process is capturing your ideas. And in many cases, the way that it's done is using just simple 2D type sketching. We all do it. Everyone does it. Even if you're not you know, graphically talented, there are times when you're going to sketch something out on a piece of paper and you're going to use that to explain a point. Well, obviously for design, those sketching out on a piece of paper, those 2D profiles are the cornerstone, the backbone of a lot of design intent. And at the time, one of the things we pointed out was that in many cases, you don't know what the end state you want is at the beginning. Well, traditional sketch tools have always been built around this idea that I'm going to give you a lot of information. I, as a designer, I'm going to give you a lot of information about the relationships I want in this design. I want these two lines to be parallel. I want this line to be vertical. And that limits flexibility because if I've got to do all that, once I've got it on there, then it's hard to change. So what we did was we took a look back. Sketching in CAD systems hasn't really changed for, for way over 30 years. I mean, it's all been based around the same premise of that we will capture these constraints and relationships and we will use those as a recipe to allow you to make changes. The trouble is with that recipe is it limits your creativity. So what we wanted to do is allow you to, we use AI as a, as a way of kind of inferring and, and understanding and, and looking at the data that's on the screen, the design you have, and it's making smart assumptions. Being able to assume that, okay, well, you've done this, so you may want to keep that relationship, but you can override it. So giving you the control. So it's really around making it easier for the designer to get the shapes they want and helping them rather than forcing them to make decisions up front, which influence the way that you can change the design. And I think that that's a critical thing. And how are designers receiving this new approach? And we're seeing when we're introducing this to newer people, people that haven't used design tools or are new to approaches, when they start trying it, you know, it's the natural way of thinking. It's a natural way of designing. And we're seeing more and more people kind of looking at it and going, okay, that makes sense to me. There's a process of being able to kind of let the system do work to help you get your end shape, but remembering that you're in control of what you want. Let's talk about algorithmic modeling. First, can you break down that concept for our listeners? If you look at things like buildings, many buildings have these patterns as part of their construction, which are not just regular anymore. They're controlled mathematically. They're controlled using 
natural progressions that kind of give shape and give form and give a level of you know attractiveness that makes you go wow that looks special and it's not just a regular pattern a regular repeat of everything the challenge with that of course is that to do it using traditional CAD tools is either very time consuming or you end up writing custom applications so the whole idea of algorithmic modeling is to be able to remove that need to write customization to be able to allow users to design things and then use kind of low code approaches being able to create the logic behind what they want and use that to drive the geometry what can customers expect to see in the area of algorithmic modeling i think in the future that's going to give design engineers particularly some really smart ways of creating new shapes new shapes that would normally take them a long time to have to manually do so they might shy away from it allows them to go off and explore and experiment and actually change things okay what happens if i change this pattern based around its proximity to the edge of a a body i mentioned the radiator grills look at the way that in many cases in in a lot of um, audio speakers audio speakers in cars audio speakers on consumer products a lot of the times the patterns of the holes the repeatable patterns are not regular they adjust as and they adapt based upon the shape but they also adapt as they come in closer to the edge doing that type of work look at modern buildings look at the times when you can see lots of faceting on the side lots of designs lots of structural elements which change shape that flow in that lead your eye into a form those types of things being able to model those and being able to create those quick and easy and being able to edit them and then adapt them and, and use them and i think that that's where the power of algorithmic modeling is coming in it's a new area really that's an emerging area an emerging trend in the design process customers that have used it during those virtual beta sessions really have related to the power of what they can do particularly as well because we're talking about not asking them to write custom code. We're not asking them to have to maintain custom code. They're actually doing a lot of drag and drop of logic blocks and actually defining the shapes they want in a logical way. Is the algorithmic modeling capability leveraging some of the Mendix capabilities? We've learned a lot from the way that the Mendix low-code approaches go. I mean, we use a lot of the NX capabilities, underlying architecture, but we've actually learned a lot from them around how low-code applications work in terms of capturing this knowledge and being able to build a very visual programming type approach to how you define the logic and how you link the logic together to get the results you want. What are some of the goals and prospects for growth with this software? One of our constant drivers is how do we make NX more accessible? How do we make it more easy for people to start deploying NX and also to learn new things in NX? So there's a few things, I think, that areas around our academic products carrying on driving through. So anyone looking at, we can see more and more students signing up for example to the free student edition to start using nx i think that's an exciting move forward as we move forward into more ways of being able to certify and build your skill sets up that's an important thing but also we're doing a lot of work around how you can 
deploy NX and make it easier to learn and learn what's new. So you'll start seeing more and more capabilities leveraging multimedia, leveraging things like AI to be able to present capabilities back to the user that allow them to learn new approaches, to get the most from the investment. We introduced the concept of token-based licensing a while ago. That's allowing our users to get access to a lot of this new functionality, which is actually new modules, new applications, but without actually having to specify it up front because it's part of the token pool. So it gives them more flexible terms and conditions. So this is about you know flexibility. So you've got the flexibility of how you can deploy and use NX. We talked about that earlier in the current situation and the current climate with work from home, those types of activities, but also commercial. How can I access NX? How can I get the most from my investment? And how can I get the most capabilities? So you're seeing that. And then finally, how can I use NX easier? You're seeing more and more capabilities to try and make it easier and quicker to keep your skills up to date with how to use NX. It sounds like we've got a lot to look forward to as these software solutions adapt to the changes in work behaviors that have been introduced this year. A big thanks to Paul Brown from Siemens Digital Industries Software for joining us today. And thank you as always to our audience for joining us on our first season of the podcast. We're looking forward to more discussion about design innovation with industry leaders during season two. I'm your host, Jennifer Piper, and this has been Next Generation Design.